Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian. And like every day, I've got another episode of Wobblies and Wizards for you. But today it's Zine Thursday. And we're going to look at a zine. I, I had to do a little research before I, before I pulled this up. Hanabo is, is the pronunciation, the correct pronunciation of this zine, I believe. So I, I looked up the, the pronunciation. What Hanabo is, is a... Uh, like a wooden club, almost, is a spiked or studded two-handed war club used in feudal Japan by samurai. So it's if you Google Kanabu, there's there's pictures of them. They've got a little Lego guy holding a Kanabu. This is a role-playing game about the Tokugawa era of Japan, which is also the Edo period of Japan. And I did not know much about Japanese history, so I had to look that up. The Tokugawa era of Japan goes from like 1603 to 1868. So it's right before like all the industrial revolution and stuff like that takes place. A lot of the modernization that we see occurring. So that's the era we're playing with in Japan in Kanabu. Now, Kanabu is available if you want to pick it up at Monkey's Paw Games. It's 30 bucks. It's like $10 a zine. There's three zines that come in the set. Kind of like the original D&D where you get the three core books or the Traveler box. But these are a little bit smaller. Uh, not, as, not as robust as one of those are. The first volume zine you get is Characters. This is different and unique. Um, it's also got some things that I'm seeing a lot happening. Like I, I, I want to say perhaps the era, the period, place I should be calling this is like NSR type scene stuff, new school revolution, lots of stripped down um, rules light type stuff going on with this. So the introduction starts off with explaining what it is. Kanabu is a role playing game inspired by sword fighting movies, typically set in the it's set in this era specific era in Japan. Uh, players take on roles of wandering travelers roving the countryside. So this is very hex crawl heavy type game. And it has a note on historical accuracy. This is a role-playing game inspired by Japanese genre film. It makes no attempt to pretend to portray or represent accurate glimpse at Tokugawa era Japan. As such, historical gender roles or expressions and restrictions on social strata are disregarded in favor of inclusivity and dramatic effect. And there's also each, each of the three zines has the same introduction with the what is this on historical accuracy and then the tools for safe play. And they give you stuff like the X card and a few other other tools for safe play. We begin with the character creation. What a very good place to start with any role playing game. I, I like to look at the character sheet, and the character creation, see what it's like first. Now we're we're working with a a D10 percentile based system in this. For your stats, you roll 2D10 plus 20 four times. Then you assign those numbers to your stats however you choose. Now your stats you get are not strength decks and all the things you get from D&D, but you have four stats that are the elements. Fire, water, earth, and wind. Fire is, things, is for things like confrontation, aggression, and force. Water is for things like tranquility inquisitiveness and exploration earth is stoicism calculation and discipline wind is intuition reflection and grace so you've got these these slightly different set of of stats or attributes that are different from what you're used to i think it would make for an interesting game i can see how it would work trying to figure out what role to make on which stat and stuff like that it goes on to there's the second part of character creation after you assign your stats and you're going to get anywhere from 22 to 
40 being the highest. And you and, and the, the basic mechanic in this is you want to roll under your percentage. Uh, so then you roll a 1D100 or choose your birth sign. And then you add a plus five to one stat that reflects something you value. So you choose your birth sign. It's got a D100 chart and it's the signs of the Zodiac, essentially. Roll a D10 to choose your birthplace, and then they have a chart for your birthplace. Now, your birthplace isn't like a specific place, but more like what type of reason. I'm going to roll here for a birthplace real quick. I got seven. Hill Fort. Start with a spear. So you you, you get your beginning equipment and stuff like that from wherever you come from. Like uh, you could be from a bandit camp, a, a fishing village, a haunted ruin, small castle, a city slum, and so on and so forth. You go on, it's got careers. You can roll a career and you get something with that. You get curio, kind of is similar to Into the Odd and other games like that where you're rolling and getting your, your equipment. And it, it seems to be based a lot about that. And then when the rest of the character roll up, you're looking at things like uh, mannerisms, clothes, eyes, frame, hands, face, speech, et cetera, et cetera. So you're creating a character more so than trying to um, build a character with numbers and stats. So let's, let's, let's do some of this mannerisms. I'm going to start at 1d10. I got a six. Serene. My character is very serene. Clothes. I got a four. My clothes are filthy. I'm serene with filthy clothes. Eyes. Uh, calculating. I have calculating eyes. Serene and calculating. Stoic character. Frame is disfigured. I'm, I'm disfigured in my filthy clothes. Hands are precise. Face, I've got a astur face. And speech, I've got breathy speech. So I'm I'm serene and, and I have those calculating eyes with my breathy speech and my twisted frame and dirty clothes. So an interesting, interesting character could definitely craft something out of those options there to play. Names, it gives you some suggestions for names, surnames and names. And then we get into how to play it. Things like that. It's got a list of best practices. I'm going to go over some of those best practices because this is a, it can give you an idea of the approach they're taking with this game. The game is a conversation between travelers and the world around them. Play to find out what happens and how it happens. Ask questions, take notes, draw diagrams, work together, make plans, recruit, hire help, get a pack animal. The dice are not your friends. If you don't have to roll, don't. When you roll the dice, you are bound by that outcome. And it gives a lot about risk in, in reducing the amount of rolls in this. When you roll, there seems to be a an element. Uh, it's, it's not just a success failed, I, but I'm a little bit uh, hazy on some of the exact exact elements of how that works what's interesting about the combat system is you're not rolling an attack and then rolling a roll you're you're rolling the attack and whatever you rolled is what determines your damage and depending on how good or bad you roll you can your attack roll you can also take damage from the person you're attacking the the stats themselves have a for like npcs and stuff as we get to the second book i'll point that out um but the stats themselves have a damage rating so if you roll whatever yes you may do damage but you're also going to be taking damage so it kind of simplifies a lot of the back and forth with combat it's all player facing roles so from what i'm used to playing it might be a little bit of a learning curve and getting used to it that reduced number of roles that is is going to be present in the combat system because of the way it's set up like that but it's a very more of a modern design in that sense 
And it goes over time because this is kind of hex crawl driven. It looks like it could also be good for like dungeon crawly type things in a way. Uh, you start with rounds. Rounds is about uh, one minute. A turn is a time is uh, about 10 minutes. So you're combating in rounds and turns. And then that moves from the 10 minute turns. It measures in watches, which is like a six hour splitting up the day into quarters, which is very similar to how I ran Forbidden Lands, how it runs there. I, I kind of liked that four watches per day type time tra tracking is pretty good. So it goes into rules about traveling, foraging, resting and healing, character advancement. Now you only have a set amount of like wounds you can take as well and, and talks about hiring retainers and help uh, and goes into your equipment. Now, the second book is the adventure book. And the adventure book has uh, has more things, or is I'm sorry, and the third book's the adventure book. Let's go back. The second book is the Chronicler's book. Now, the adventure book is well, the Chronicler's book's a little more got a little more meat to it. Uh, you you've got a lot of random tables for hex crawl type situations and for running through there and for coming up with random hexes as you go. So the beginning has the same introduction as the as the characters book. Then it gives into rules on running the game, on making your roles, uh, making sure that the players understand that if you make this role, something negative could happen and you could have to live with the outcomes of that. You could die. It seems to be kind of pushing the death is is very possible in this game. And then you start getting into the tables and the hexes. Like one is the weather tables. You have for spring, summer, fall, winter. You have a little D10. You roll D10. Let's say it's summer right now. So let's roll. I got a nine. It's a warm and dry day. It's got various other weather occurrences per day that you would roll on and how, how the weather is depending on the season. And then we go into counters. It's got a good reaction table, a D10 reaction table so that you know what the people and whatever you're running into is, uh, how they respond to you. It's not always, oh, we're going to fight. Uh, NPCs, it gives you stats for NPCs. The stats, the stats are pretty low. You got things like harm and wound. Now, the harm score is what you would take if you, you're fighting something and you roll whatever. You're not just succeeding, but, oh, okay, now I'm also going to take damage from this bit of combat. Then it goes into the hex crawl. It's got a lot of charts, random tables for running your hex crawl. The first one on that in page nine is, is, uh, is the hex type. So I'm going to roll that and check it out. We got a mountain. There's grasslands, forests, flood plains, plains, rivers, swamps, all kinds of stuff. But we're going to go look at the mountain chart because each one of those leads to the next one. So the mountain chart, we're going to do another roll in this hex. We've got a winding path on a mountain is what we're running into. This got random charts for communities. So I'm going to roll. This is a farmer manor, one to three families. What is the governance like here? Nine. A military governor. Oh, no. The inhabitants. Who are the inhabitants? Desperate for news. So the inhabitants here are desperate for news from afar. These farming people in this military ruled area. Notable features. I got a seven. Sprawling manors? Hmm. Big, giant, sprawling manors out in the farmland ruled by some military power. What kind of industry is there? I rolled a five, which is woodcutters with axe and saw. Events going on around here. I got a four. A wedding. So when you arrive, there's a wedding going in this, this farmland area with these sprawling houses ruled by some kind of weird military ruler. Priests purifying a shrine with blessed salt beforehand. Yeah, it, it's got the next thing we move on to in this section is factions. What faction type are we looking at? I rolled a four, a populist commune. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. We got a populist commune. It's also got noble families in charge, government officials, artisan guilds, a merchant cartel, a criminal fraternity. 
The goals. Three. Dominate a trade route. Oh, no. We have some, some, some horrible trade route stuff going on. Nine. Resources. I'm rolling a nine. Advanced weapons. So whoever's here has advanced weapons. And it goes into adventure site. Uh, the history of the adventure strike. I've got is a, a burial ground. The happenstance there is flooding in a burial ground. The inhabitants are desperate people driven to desperate acts, searching for seven, a cursed treasure in a flooded burial ground. Desperate folks driven to desperate acts out there. So I'm wondering how this could all fit in. So it's got a lot of great little tables here and some good little prompts for inspiring some good adventure sites. If you're doing a hex crawl type thing, it really works. Now, we're going to go on to the third book real quick. The third book has a lot less, is a lot less in depth than the second one. It's essentially fleshed out hex crawl sites, peach tree village. It, it gives you specific situation or specific uh, actual hexes, the surrounding wilderness, uh, some explanation of what's going on in there. So it gives a little more in depth of a player if you to work on. My thoughts on this are I want more. <laughs> I see that. This is very rules light, and 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 uh, I tend to run things probably a little more crunchier because of my history with old games. And I well, I do appreciate the rules light approach. I feel that there's beginnings of procedures and stuff in here that could be expanded on. This is a good base for the game. And how I be would I be running this? It would take a lot of research for me. Um, I'd probably take a lot more time reading some of the myths, watching some films, and even looking at the era of Japan a little bit more because I'm just now learning about it. It seems like there's a lot of rich history there that me as this Midwestern corn-fed white dude have never been exposed to. Uh, I was a little apprehensive even picking this up to discuss. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> it's like, I hope I don't butcher something and get it weird. But no, it's really neat. The setting seems really interesting. Uh, I've been picked up this recent book about Japanese myths, and, and have, I've been reading through that here lately. And reading this at the same time uh, kind of got my my imagination pumping, and I'm like, "Oh, this is cool! I want to play in this game." I would I would love to see more of this expanding on this in more modular ways. That's about what I think of it. It's a neat little game. You can pick it up at monkeyspawgames.com. It's 30 bucks there for the for the actual physical copies. And I think you'll probably buy PDFs alone as well, uh, just a PDF digital only for about 10 bucks. And it would be an easy one to probably print out on your home printer as well. It doesn't seem like it'd be too difficult to do that. But the little books are nice. The back of two of them have notes, places for taking your notes as you're playing. And the back of one has the character sheet. It has a neat mechanic in here with fate that I didn't go over. Where you, When you roll doubles, you get fate points and they can be used as spent for different things to benefit your character. Uh, and there's a few more elements to the game. It, it's... It, it it's it, it could it could definitely run a fun campaign off of this. It's real neat. Anyways, that's about all I have today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really use your support. Keep try to keep this going. A daily RPG podcast with our slant. If you enjoy that, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And as always, keep those dice rolling.